Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. And before I jump into what I have to talk about this week, I want to make sure, as always, that I thank those that make this podcast possible, everything that we do here for the Prepared Mindset, uh, our two sponsors. First, EclipseHolsters.com. <clears throat> Guys, if you're new to the pod here, Eclipse Holsters has been with us for a while now. Uh, big supporter of what we do. If you guys are looking for a holster, you're looking for you know mag carriers, you're looking for a dump tray, maybe you're looking for a wallet, uh, maybe you need a new EDC belt or a EDC belt at all. Um, you know, if you're new to this whole gun carrying thing, you'll you probably quickly found out that uh, having a decent belt is uh, is a must. Head to EclipseHolsters.com, check out everything they have to offer. Uh, super high quality stuff. Uh, they guarantee that they're going to have it in the mail in three business days or less, which is next level customer service, honestly. And if there's an issue, hell, even if you just go out and buy a new gun a couple weeks later, holster's still brand new, you can send it back, no questions asked, and they will uh, get you a new one. That's how I got introduced to them. Uh, they took care of uh, uh, they took care of me and my wife uh, over the the holidays. She had a Springfield, wound up getting a Glock was able to send back the old holster and get a new one for her Glock in the exact same print. No questions, no problems. All you do is pay the difference for shipping. And uh, I mean, hey, awesome customer service, top-notch customer service during lockdown, during the pandemic. I remember very specifically and very vividly seeing uh, their social media, just pointing out, hey, we got a full mailbox here. Just so you guys know, we're doing our best to get this out to everybody. We're having issues with, with local shipping. We've been on the phone with Postmaster General, all that good stuff. Jess and, and her family that, that run that business, they do an absolutely outstanding job, and we cannot you know support them enough. Uh, but they did hook us up uh, with a discount code, prepared15. It's going to save you 15% off. And if actually, if you, if you, you spend over 60 bucks with them, they're going to, they're going to throw in free shipping. So, uh, I mean, you buy a holster, that's going to, that's going to get you over that, that mark and anything else past that's basically gravy, right? So then you got free shipping. It's on its way to you in three days or less. And they knock 15% off with our code prepared15. Go check out Eclipse Holsters, guys. Uh, they got all kinds of good stuff. Also, mymedic.com. For anything you guys need, whether it's uh, something to keep in the car on the road trip, now it's the summer, uh, wife and I just got back from our own uh, trip up to northern Michigan for a couple nights, uh, you need something to go hiking, uh, hunting, maybe you just want something to keep around the house because you got kids, and kids always seem to find a way to get into stuff, uh, hurt themselves, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, youth sports, hey, maybe you're one of those parents that's super active with your, your kid's life and you want to be the one organizing the sports, and uh you know, there's all kinds of rules and you, you whatever. I mean, you, just, you, need, you need to have a first aid kit, right? MyMedic.com, guys. Use our code MINDSET20. They're knock off 20% on your order. And if you head over to Facebook, you can use our offers page. And uh, we have actually have a, an affiliate link. And you order through there, we're going to get a little piece of whatever you spend with MyMedic. Not sure what you need? Give them a call. Their customer service is top of industry, guys. Uh, you don't know how, how much you need. Hey, I got this many people. Give them a call. Let them know you want to be prepared for this much, for this many people, for these kinds of situations and contingencies. They'll talk you through it. They'll let you know exactly what you need and nothing more. They are absolutely great to work with. We had Zeph on a couple weeks ago talking about the company, what they do, their mission. Outstanding company doing a lot to impact the community and make sure everyone is well prepared and well taken care of with whatever kind of you know medical supplies you need. Uh, one more time, guys. MyMedic.com. Use our code MINDSET20 and save 20% off. So let's get down to it. All right. Um, I actually went back to the gun range. I know. I know. Go ahead and hold your applause. I went back to the gun range for the first time since, uh, if we're talking about an actual indoor range, um, about it's over a year. Definitely, because, uh, you know, when lockdown hit, uh, they were obviously one of the things that were shut down. And then with ammo scarcity being what it was, uh, I don't think anybody was in a real big hurry to run in and take a CCW class. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. People weren't in a hurry to take a CCW class. They were not in a hurry to go practice right after the CCW class, which was unfortunate. And that's just, it, it was cost prohibitive, right? Um, we are starting to see ammo prices come back down, finally, but... I mean, what are we talking about? I think you can get uh, like 20 round boxes of 5.56 that were usually pre COVID, they were like seven, eight, nine, ten bucks. 
you're starting to see them around 10 11 12 dollars a box now for like uh target ammo um like 55 grain maybe it was 62 grain i don't know um any at any rate rifle ammo is actually getting a, a fair bit cheaper than it was um you know we are seeing now that remington is back up and running they went through their whole bankruptcy situation and all that goodness we're going to see a little bit more ammo back on the shelves uh i guess their ceo came out a couple weeks ago um i read i think it was on bearingarms.com uh i read somewhere he came out and made a statement they're you know they're going they're working around the clock to meet demand uh, as a result you know, the days of eight, nine, ten bucks a box are probably gone. Uh, if they can get me ten or twelve a box, or even fourteen bucks a box, I, I'd be a lot happier. Um, right now, I think the cheapest that I have found nine millimeter that isn't, you know, like crappy uh, steel case, like wolf or something. I think the cheapest I've seen it is like twenty six or twenty seven bucks a box. Um, if they can get me down below fifteen, I'll be I'll be a bit happier. Um, you know, I think I think eventually we will get back to that you know eleven dollar mark. It's just going to take a little bit of time to satisfy the market um, when things normal normalize. I should say they level out from what we were experiencing during lockdown. Uh, the the demand during I guess you want to call it the the summer of love. You know, everybody is uh, was pretty concerned with having enough ammunition to last them uh, should something uh, drastic happen, but. At any rate, um, <clears throat> you know, I got to go back to the range for the first time in, in over a year. Uh, first, uh, to the indoor range, the local range here. I have, uh, I was shooting outdoors uh, once or twice, on the, you know, in the past year or so. Um, nothing notable to speak of, but um, at any rate, was able to get in. Uh, took the week off work. Made sure, made a point of, you know, hey, I, I've really been focusing, as I think a lot of us have uh, since since COVID hit and everything, we all been cooped up in the house. I think a lot of us that were um, maybe a little more concerned with being prepared and, and things, uh, as well as obviously budget-minded, were working on dry firing, right? Okay, if I can't hit the range the way that I wanted to, the way that I used to, what can I do, right? So dry fire practice, um, which is great. We talk about it here. Uh, I do it a lot here. Uh, big, big, big proponents, and you know, you, you won't talk to too many quality shooters uh that discourage dry fire practicing uh i think that some more than others will will kind of caution against doing it too much for different reasons those are usually people that have financial interests and things like offering classes and training that's just my experience um, but you can you can definitely get a lot done uh when you're dry firing so um, a lot of us have been doing that but i wanted to make sure i got into the range to uh to check, um, basically see where my progress is at, um, see, has this been paying off for me? Um, you know, have I, uh, have I been gaining consistency? Have I been gaining accuracy? Uh, you know, has this, this effort that I've been putting in over the winter, uh, with various dry fire practice things, uh, you know, ha has that really paid off? Um, and it was an interesting experience. Um, if I want to talk about, you know, a couple of things and I'll talk about how I, how I shot in a minute, but, um, you know, the public range is an interesting place. Um, and if you're a new shooter, here's, I'm just going to throw out a couple, um, they're not really, well, some of them are rules at most of these ranges. A lot of them are etiquette things. Uh, but some things that obviously newer shooters don't know. Um, you know, right off the bat, I mean, I walk in, I do the paperwork. There's like a voucher you have to sign basically. Cause I mean, obviously you're, you're handling firearms. There's a possibility you could get hurt. They don't want to get sued. Right. So sign the paperwork, whatever, and get through it, pay your money. Um, two, uh, what can I assume to be middle to older age women, uh, come in behind me, both open carrying on their hip, which I thought was really weird. Um, I mean, hey, all for seeing women out there shooting and stuff. I, I you know, hey, I, I think this is a gender neutral activity. I think uh, anybody who wants to should, and I think that it's good that anybody who's getting out here and, and practicing is doing the right thing. Uh, I was just a little bit taken aback. Um, they didn't really have range bags or anything. They had purses and they had, you know, they're open carrying. So, you know, okay, whatever. And they're, they're together. So, obviously, friends and all right. And they wound up actually in the bay next to me uh, when we got into. Uh, into the room to shoot so um no harm no foul i thought um when we get in there and um you know just like i said a couple of etiquette things guys as a new shooter uh in most ranges i've been to that are indoor enclosed ranges with a you know any safety officer that's worth a damn that's you know paying attention um 
there's tables set up on like the back wall then you got the the open walking space and then you have your stalls or bays or lanes whatever you want to call them um if you're gonna you have your firearm right you cannot put your bag on the back table and then walk it over to the the lane or the window or bay or whatever um you have to take the weapon out in the bay and this is important and i feel the need to point this out because it's it's common sense for those of us that know firearm safety, but for those that don't, it's worth it is a hundred percent worth pointing out. Um, keep the muzzle downrange. Um, if you unzip the bag and realize that the muzzle is pointing back to where everybody's standing, zip the bag back up and flip it over. Like, don't unzip it, pull the thing out, and then flip it around and flag everybody. If it's in the case, that means that you can't get to the trigger, right? Which is the primary concern. So if you take it out to the out of the bag, there's a chance you could snag something. There, There is always that chance. And a lot of people are going to say, yeah, right, well, I don't store my firearms loaded. I don't do this. I don't. That's not going to happen. And you know what? 99.9% of the time, you're probably right. <laughs> there's probably nothing that's going to happen. But there's always the chance. So unload your, or I should like remove it from the bag. Not really unload necessarily. Um, want to keep our terms straight here. <laughs> get the, get the weapon out of the bag in the bay with the barrel facing down the lane towards where you're going to be shooting. Then if you got to go put your bag back on that table, uh, you know, if it's a rifle bag, cause you know, you're shooting rifle or something, uh, maybe you brought your own targets, you got extra shit in there or something. Go put the bag back that way. Don't, don't worry about, you can leave the gun there. Um, I've even have it, you know, explained to me that it's preferred for a lot of uh, safety officers that you lock the slide back or you lock the bolt to the rear when you lay the pistol, rifle, shotgun, whatever down in the bay so that if somebody is, you know, walking by, they can observe that you have a clear chamber and that is a safe weapon. Uh, You know, it's still pointing down the the lane correctly and everything, um, but it's still good to be able to uh, visually inspect that that firearm uh, at a distance and, and and see without getting you know too up close and personal that it is in fact safe and it's just you know one more uh, one more safety measure one more piece of etiquette. Um, so getting back to the two ladies that that walked in behind me, I'm in my lane. I'm loading my magazines. Um, one more thing to, to just know with a lot of places these days because of the ammo scarcity, um, the price going up and whatnot, uh, people that are coming to ranges are shooting cheaper ammo. A lot of ranges will not let you shoot steel cased ammo. And that's because, uh, a lot of them will sweep up the brass, uh, the casings and they will sell it to local reloaders or reloading companies that do remand ammunition. They will sell that. Um, you cannot aluminum casing, steel casing, uh, you can't you can't reload that. Um, it gets mangled and destroyed, so basically it has to be sent out and like I don't know melted down or something. I, I have no idea, but it can't be used. So a lot of ranges <clears throat> for that reason alone, because that's how they bring some money and they don't want to have to deal with sorting it and blah 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 blah. They don't want you shooting steel case. Um, also, steel core ammunition can cause ricochets and issues. Uh, it can break lights and things like that. It can really, and it, it really chews up the backstop of the range. So for that reason, a, a lot of these places, they, they won't take the cheap ammunition. Um, when you walk in at the counter, I know at least to the range that I go to, they'll ask if you have your own ammunition. If not, you have to buy some there, which is fine. I'm sure they love the business. Um, but if you say, yes, you have your own, they'll check it. Um, they'll take a magnet or something and they'll put it on the box. And if it picks up you know, the box or if the magnet attaches to it because there's steel core or steel casing, they won't let you. Um, so for that reason, I always tell anybody that's asking me about going to the range, whatnot, you know, and they, if you find out for whatever reason, they don't go to the range uh, a whole ton, or maybe this is, um, their first time going to an indoor range. Uh, don't, don't load your magazines before you get there. Because, I mean, while you think it's going to save you time, and I guess it will if you have a ton of ammo you want to put down in half an hour or an hour or something, um, it's going to waste a whole lot more to have to unload it and then have them check it or unload it, buy ammo from them, and reload your magazines. And if you, you think I'm joking, I have I did go with a friend um, who had an, an AK that he had steel case uh, or steel core ammunition. They would not let him shoot. He had to spend like 20 minutes unloading all four of his magazines and then 
uh, trying to reload. Then he realized that the lady behind the counter sold him the wrong caliber uh, AK ammunition. Had to get that all sorted out. It was like half an hour or something before uh, my my lane time was done uh, when he was finally starting to shoot. It, you know, to put that in a, in a perspective. So don't load your magazines beforehand. Uh, it, it's going to save you a, a lot of headache unless you unless you know the people at your range. In which case, you're probably ignoring everything I'm saying because you just already know. Uh, don't load your magazines beforehand and buy, buy decent ammo guys. I know just because a lot of guns run the shitty ammo, that's not a reason to deliberately use only that. Um, unless you're one of these guys that owns six or seven different Glocks and, you know, six or seven different ARs and you don't care. I know there's some of those shooters out there. Cool, man. That's not me. And that's probably not most of you. So Spend a little extra, uh, put good ammo through your gun. The last thing you want is to blow up your upper receiver or blow up the slide on your Glock or blow off a finger or something because you want to save a couple bucks. Just just some food for thought. But So I'm shooting, uh, doing my thing. Uh, I was actually working on uh, like a ready-up drill, just a sight acquisition. Um, as soon as I could catch the dot on my RMR, on my Glock, as soon as I caught that dot, made sure it was where I wanted it, and and pull the trigger, um, you know, trying to as quickly as I can for a sight picture go. Um, and, and it wasn't bad. I actually pushed out distance, you know, um, at least for me distance, I usually don't go past like 25 feet with my concealed carry gun. Um, I was shooting out to 40 feet with the Glock, uh, Glock 19. I'm sorry. I thought I did pretty well. Um, considering pretty well, considering that it's been over a year since I've, I've shot that gun. Uh, so I was actually pretty happy with it, but the two ladies next to me were shooting uh, Sky Arms, which if you guys don't know what Sky is, it's I think it's S-C-C-Y, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Sky Arms. Nine millimeters. Um, they're like seven plus one compact carry pistols. Um, I believe when they first hit the market, they were built to compete with like the Glock 43 and the M&P Shield and the Ruger LC9. Um, you know, the slim single stack uh you know, compact pistols that were really popular, you know, five, six years ago. Um, and they come in a lot of colors. You can get them with a black slide or a silver slide, you know, with pink and purple frames and stuff like that. And turquoise blue. And that's, it's fine if that's what you're into. These ladies both did have, I think one had a purple with a silver slide and the other one had pink with a silver slide. Uh, I, so, I mean, honestly, it, it may seem a little bit pretentious, but when I see stuff like that, I wonder, uh, okay, so you went with a cheap brand, um, cause these things, MSRP is like two ninety nine. They're, they're, they're very cheap firearms. Um, when I see, you know, a, that was your, your firearm of choice, B you're open carrying in a uncle Mike's nylon holster. Um, and guys, I think we've talked about it enough on here for you to know, but, um, nylon is not good for holsters. Okay. This isn't 1991 anymore Buy Kydex. Uh, you could get a quality leather one, but I, I mean, buy Kydex, especially if you're open carrying, um, you know, that little retention strap, uh, that nylon strap that goes over the, the top of your, um, your, your firearm isn't really doing you any favors, especially considering the, the amount of retention and how easy it is to, you can basically pull real hard and pop the button on that thing to get the pistol out. You're going to get just as much retention out of a Kydex holster, and it's probably going to be safer because it can't be, you know, it can't get moisture stuck in it. It can't catch on the trigger guard. Like Kydex is just safer. So, um, but like I was saying, you know, you see a couple, a certain combination of things, cheap holsters, cheap firearms, open carrying, colored firearms. Okay. Probably new to this. Um, you know, and then I was maybe through my first two mags on, uh, you know, when I started and the range officer had to interject, uh, with these two ladies. Um, one, I mean, they're both wearing tank tops. Uh, I mean, it's, it's warm, right? It's the summertime here in Michigan. I think the high was like 86 or something. Uh, now I personally, when I go to the range, regardless of what the weather is outside, I always make sure I wear long pants, closed toed shoes, and I will usually wear a polo or a t-shirt. Um, a polo, just the collar kind of can help mitigate, um, getting brass down the shirt, which sucks. Um, which in this instance, this lady, um, who was a rather, um, well endowed, uh, woman got brass on the front of her shirt. And, uh, as most new shooters typically do when they encounter hot brass, um, I mean, I did it when I was brand new, um, 
brass goes down the shirt and they start freaking out, waving their hands all over the place. And um, in this instance, lady's finger was in the trigger guard on the trigger, <laughs> ready to go as she's waving this gun around. So um, luckily for, for her sake, her safety, as well as everyone else's, the range officer jumped in very quickly and, um, you know, uh, immobilized her wrist, basically just grabbed her by the wrist so she couldn't, you know, keep moving it and um, let her shake out her shirt and explain to her, you know, and her friend, you know, for safety reasons, the first thing you should do when, when that happens is get put the gun down, okay? At minimum, make sure your finger's off the trigger, but finger off the trigger, put the gun down, and then worry about the brass. Like, yeah, are you going to get burned? Um, maybe mildly. I don't know how bad a hot brass from like a nine millimeter will will burn you. Uh, but worst case, you know, you have a burn that will heal. Uh, and I mean, you'll be fine. Right. Whereas if you accidentally squeeze off around, you could very seriously hurt yourself or somebody uh, around you. Right. So hot brass sucks. It's just, it, it is a risk of using a range where you have a divider, um, that's, you know, like a foot and a half away from you. And that's usually it, right? The shell doesn't usually go straight up in the air and then come down your shirt. It usually deflects off of the divider or something and ends up in your shirt, down the back of your shirt, whatever, uh, you know, bounces off your forearms or something. And, and yeah, it might freak you out for a second, but again, it's not that big of a deal. It's just something you have to, you have to focus on and not allow that to be a distraction. Um, your life may be the one you save it truly. So, something something to consider there the other piece uh that i mean and, and the range officer was very attentive it's one guy i think there was like seven or eight of us that were in the this room of 12 bays i want to say 12 or 15 bays and he's trying to bounce around where he was needed i didn't actually interact with him because i uh, i'm not trying to toot my own horn here i just i've been there before i don't need attention i don't i mean i know how to work the trolley system for the targets no no big deal and that's what they're there for right um, they're there to help and they're there, uh, for safety. So, um, you know, it, he did spend a, quite a bit of time talking with these, uh, these, these ladies, um, and just looking, you know, they terrible, terrible technique. Um, one had a little bit better. I think someone had shown her, uh, it looked like the old isosceles stance. Um, for those of you that don't know, what's pretty much common practice today is, you know, we talk about like a fighter's stance, uh, one foot further forward than the other. Usually um, when I shoot, I have my right foot back, my left foot forward, like I'm about to fight. Um, you know, I'm a right-hand dominant individual with everything I do, short of, I think, maybe hockey. But anyway, so right foot back, um, kind of leaning forward, putting your weight into the firearm because whether it's pistol or rifle regardless anything over a 22 is going to have enough recoil that if you don't have a correct posture you don't have a good posture right it's going to start you know eventually pushing you back a little bit standing you up so to speak um and you, you'll start to actually see your group get bigger and bigger because you're letting that recoil determine your posture and and your form um and your approach to the to the the, the weapons platform right um so one was shooting isosceles, uh, where you're, it, it's kind of the, the similar idea where your left foot is forward, um, pointing at the target and the right foot is almost like a right angle, um, off to the side and behind it. Um, and then you have one arm straight and one arm bent. Um, it's a very old school, very like nineties, uh, way of shooting. Um, it's not that it doesn't work. There's a lot of older shooters that, that do like it and prefer it. Um, you can be accurate with it. That's not the problem. The problem that you run into is that the, the reason that we see, um, you know, bent arms, uh, more of like an equilateral triangle with the upper body, with the arms and everything shooting now is because people that started shooting competition started realizing that shooting isosceles, uh, doesn't work real well when you're on the move and it takes a second longer to set, to set up. Um, it takes a second longer to kind of work around and things. And, um, in the competition world, obviously seconds uh, or, or fractions of seconds is how you win money or, and lose money, right? So being that we're so performance-driven um, in the tactical shooting space these days as well as um, the self-defense shooting space and just I, if you want to call it like modern 2A culture, maybe, you know, the Instagram crowd, I mean, whatever you want to call it really, we are results-driven, uh, and very analytical, right? It's a, we're in a technological world and, uh, 
we'll all take basically any advantage that we can get unless we don't know any better. So, um, one, like I said, one of these ladies did, uh, look like she'd had some formalized instruction of some variety. Um, however, she was still teacupping pretty bad, which, um, if any of you guys have ever seen any bad action movie or any kind of even remotely action oriented TV show like law and order teacupping is exactly what it sounds like. You have the gun in your right hand and the left hand comes straight up from the bottom and like a little teacup underneath it. Um, it's not actually making a whole lot of connection with the, the frame of the firearm and offering pretty minimal support. So, um, yeah, they're both doing that. It's a pretty, pretty poor form. Um, they were actually shooting the target. I mean, it's their credit. They were trying to hit out at like 35 feet, I think, because I started at 25, then moved back to 30, 35 and 40. Um, you know, as I was moving through some, some of my exercises and stuff and, um, it, it personally, if I were them, I probably would have pulled that in quite a bit closer and started at like 15 and worked maybe more on accuracy. Um, and I think that's something that, um, in general people miss, uh, <laughs> pardon the pun, um, people miss when they go to the gun range is, and it took me a while to figure this out too. And really you got to think about it. What is your goal when you go to practice? Just like we talked about with dry fire, right? Um, or to put it in a context that maybe more people would understand is when you sit down to practice your instrument. If you're a musician, right? You sit down and we used to talk about this all the time when I was a student. I talked about it all the time when I was a, uh, an instructor. Sit down, if you're sitting down for an hour, okay? 50 minutes of that should be structured, planned, organized, whatever vernacular practice. So if you're going to sit down today, you know, I was a, I was a, I was a snare drummer. I was a percussionist, um, did marching percussion. And that's what I taught was, um, you know, okay, we're going to spend the first 50 minutes. I'm going to spend 20 minutes on, you know, uh, rolls. I'm going to spend 20 minutes on timing. Uh, I'm going to spend 10 minutes then on, um, height control, right? Uh, accents, taps, uh, you know, two heights controlling those. And then the last 10 minutes, we always talked about do something fun whatever you enjoy playing, whatever you enjoy working on, then, you know, make sure the last 10 minutes are yours, um, to make sure you're still enjoying this. And I think that planning like that is a good way to both, um, track your results, right? Audit yourself for lack of a better term. Um, but also, uh, to make sure that you're seeing improvement and you're, you're, you're working on things that matter. I think that when people go to the gun range and again, I was guilty of this when I started, um, I think a lot of people are because they were never, they, they don't, they don't get the proper explanation from their CCW course or from whatever friend takes them shooting. Um, sometimes it's a, it's a date and the guy's not really worried about teaching her to shoot. He's worried about other stuff. I mean, whatever the reason may be, people go to these gun ranges and they just shoot. And as long as they're getting it on the paper, they want to, they focus on just getting a tight grouping, you know, how close together can I get this or can I get them all in the center? And that's, that's enough. Um, and, and there is something to be said for accuracy, marksmanship, um, shot placement, consistency, you know, there is something to be said for that, certainly. And if that's what you're taking, uh, you know, as, as the focus for that particular session, then cool. The problem is, is that we get people that only ever do that each time they go. Um, so other skill sets are suffering. Furthermore, are they actually seeing improvement uh, in these skill sets. So, you know, with your marksmanship and things, um, yes, I think that should be the first thing that people tackle and work on without a doubt. Uh, I think that if you cannot, you know, use your tool accurately and effectively, uh, competently, then you are a liability. I think we can all agree on that. Right. I mean, if you're, that's, it's the same conversation we have with old people driving. Truly, right? You know, we always make the jokes or anything about, you know, old people and being terrible drivers and impeding the flow of traffic and, oh, you should have your license taken away, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because why? They're losing those motor skills, again, pardon the pun, um, and they become a liability on the road. They're no longer safe uh, on the road. Well, this is the same sort of thing. We talk about people who go out by a firearm and they go to the range once a business quarter some people less, uh, and you know, it, you become a liability. So making sure you're sitting out and you're, you're focusing on something very specific. You know, if you're, if you're working on your marksmanship, okay, 
in this very in this particular instance, these two ladies were at 35 feet, and they were putting rounds on paper, but this is a full-size silhouette, and they were all over the place. So then you need to focus a little bit more. The problem then becomes, okay, how do I fix it? Well, I mean, you could ask somebody that's uncomfortable. You could get into some kind of lessons or a class, which is um, preferable, honestly, individualized instruction, um, and you start to work that out. Once you've got it figured out at 15 feet, then start pushing out. Don't, I mean, it's not a, a measuring contest, truly. Uh, but those are things that need to be addressed, right? And that's um, some great, some great drills you can do, especially considering that ammo is so uh, expensive and so scarce right now. Um, I, I was actually doing this drill. I actually had the range officer come in and check on me because he thought there was something wrong with my firearm, is you can rack around and then drop the magazine. And you pull the trigger, right? And you shoot around. Okay. And then obviously there's no magazine, so it doesn't lock the slide back. And then the next, the next one, you pull the trigger and it's a dry fire, right? But what you're doing is you're seeing from the live shot to the dry shot, if you're flinching, that's everyone's biggest problem, at least that I have seen is that people are trying to anticipate the recoil because they're scared of the recoil. They're scared of the concussion, you know, the blowback, whatever, um, they try to anticipate, so they flinch. They push downward, which is why with a lot of people that are right-handed shooters, um, you always you see a lot of low shots, and they're usually low and left because the gun is going to push where there's no opposition. Well, if you're right-handed, your right hand's usually pretty strong. Your left hand, your support hand, is not. So it's going to go left, and it's going to go low because you're flinching. And that's, I mean, it's a couple different things. I mean, trigger pull, possibly either too much, too little finger on the trigger or something. Um, but same thing, if you're putting adverse pressure on the gun somewhere, it's going to go where the weak points are. In this case, usually to the left, or if you're left-handed, it'll go to the right. So when you're sitting down and, and scheduling these range sessions, and you should, even if it's a 30-minute session, uh, you should plan out what you're working on. I worked on one very specific thing for my session, and that was just picking up my sights and trying to maintain accuracy. Again, I thought I did pretty okay, uh, given the circumstances, but now I know where the bar is set. Now I know when the next time I go to the range, uh, here's what I'm expecting to see. Here's what I need to work on. And take a notebook with you. Um, I take pictures. You know, Every time I have to change magazines, I would load uh, two of them up. I had a 15 round, a 17 round. So what is that? It's 27 rounds. I would put 27 rounds on paper. And then when I was time to reload the magazines, I would pull the target back in, take a picture. Why? Because this is data. Okay. You could even take a notepad and jot down notes. Still hitting low and left. Um, you could break it down by distance. At 25 feet, fine. Push out to 40 feet. At 40 feet, having this issue, having that issue, um, you know, whatever you find uh, to be your particular problem. That that's totally fine. Honestly, I wish we saw more of that at the gun range. I think more people would get better faster and be more comfortable shooting. Now. Something else I saw, which I, th I think is hilarious, is, you, you know, uh, I had a gentleman come in, um, he, I think he was like right before me, he walked in, uh, and I think he was shooting a SIG, I want to say it was a SIG, it looked like it was a polymer gun with metal magazines, so I guess it could have been a CZ, but um, he had a lot of issues with it, uh, didn't, I mean, I don't know if it was light primers or whatever, um, but he had to have the range over, range officer over to him probably four or five times while he was there, and I think I don't think he made it his whole 30 minutes. Um, so, and we talked about this, uh, when we did our episode on building shooters, the psychology of shooters and things is, is administrative, if I can talk administrative tasks. So, uh, if you have a failure to fire, what do you do? Well, you should drop the magazine and you I mean, give it a second. It could be a squib fire. So it just takes a second, but, um, drop the magazine and eject the round, um, you know, you can put it on the, I always uh, will put them at the edge, the front edge of the shelf in my bay with the round itself facing uh, down the lane. Now, it's not as big of a deal as it sounds like. Remember, you're not, it's not in a pressurized uh, chamber like it is with the gun. So it's not as dangerous, but it is still definitely dangerous. Um, so knowing how to handle those is important. Um, what, again, like what I do will be to drop the magazine. I will take that round, put it in like the front corner, on either side of the shelf with the 
cartridge itself facing downrange and just leave it there. And if at the end of the range uh, or the end of the, my time, whatever, it still hasn't gone off, I will just, you know, kind of brush it off the shelf on the floor out into the empty brass. Um, it'll get picked up by the range officers who will then be able to properly dispose of it uh, as they're collecting the other brass that are, you know, that's out there. Um, also malfunction clearing, you know, I've more, I've only ever dealt with squib loads or, um, light primers, maybe a, a dozen or two dozen times. Um, cause I do spend a little bit more money and I didn't, I try to avoid the cheap, uh, ammo brands, but I have had, um, some stove pipes, you know, a failure to fully eject. Um, I've had failure to feeds again, on, usually on cheap ammo, um, and it usually wasn't my gun. It was usually my, my wife's gun. I think my brother shot a box of reloads one time with his Glock 43, and that was the last time he ever shot reloads, was uh, because he had, I think, three or four in a box of 50. Three or four is actually pretty high. Um, three or four stovepipes. If you don't know what a stovepipe is, it's the, the spent casing goes to eject, and for whatever reason, it gets caught sticking out of the ejection port, like a stovepipe or uh, exhaust pipe. Um, so it, you know, how do you clear that? Well, you just rack the slide. <laughs> you got to get that out of there because if the slides out of battery with that stuck in there, it's not gonna, you're not gonna be able to cycle and, and continue to fire. No big deal. But, um, more often than not, if you don't know how to resolve that issue, you're going to call the range officer over. You're going to ask them for assistance. It's just, it's a thing. And it, and it just, it kind of demeans, not really demeans. That's a bad word for it. It kind of just beats down your confidence a bit. So, uh, you know, learning how to, how to deal with those, um, is just part of the growth process, I think. Um, and in that regard, the range officer usually, uh, I would think explains what it is and then shows you how to clear it. Um, I think in this instance he did not. So that might be a fault of the range officer in this case. Um, I get wanting to be helpful and I get the kid gloves thing. Um, but at the same time, you still want to make sure that you're being a good resource to those shooters that are at the range. So, um, I'm not really sure what happened with that, but I know that the gentleman definitely had to ask for help three or four times, uh, and did not last his entire 30, uh, 30 minute range session. So for what it's worth, the administrative side of this, like we said, uh, when we talked about it, the administrative tasks are a lot of times, um, used a lot more frequently than, um, just pulling the trigger, you know, lining up the sights, pulling the trigger. Um, the biggest issues by far, honestly, are just the safety ones. Um, use some common sense, keep the barrel in a safe direction. I've been flagged at a range before. Um, I've had, I've seen guys get kicked out of a range before, uh, for flagging the entire line of like eight or nine people with an AK 47 variant. Um, and they were promptly removed. The range officer took the weapon away from them and unloaded it on the spot, um, removed them, made them go wait in the hallway while he picked up the, the cleared weapon in the magazine because it was a rental um, and uh, escorted them out, uh, which typically won't happen on the first time. So that leads me to believe that they had been told multiple times not to do that, which uh, at that point, it, you can pretty fairly determine that those people should not be using a firearm. If you have to be told more than once that not to point a gun at somebody, um, you're a danger to yourself and those around you, truly. And I I, I don't throw that around lightly because I think that the media and politicians say that enough for everybody. Oh, if you do something, you're a danger to yourself. Well, no, I mean, they like to say that we're a danger to others just by owning firearms, which isn't right. But if someone has to tell you more than once in a one hour window that you're pointing a gun at other people and that's dangerous because you apparently can't figure it out. Yeah, you're a danger and you need to be removed from the situation. Um, which I mean brings me to my next point is honestly, guys, if you go to a gun range and I know people talk about it a lot with, hey, I'm looking to buy a new firearm. This one, this one, this one, or this one. Which one should I get? We see on online all the time. I've had that question. Sam has probably had that question. Uh, I know Trevor has had that question a bunch. And you can provide your own input and feedback. But um, what I do see a lot of, especially online, is oh, go to the range, rent all of them, and decide which one you like best. The problem with that is when you go to a gun range, FYI, renting guns costs money. So I think at my range, it's 20 bucks for your, whatever your half hour, hour is. It's 20 bucks per firearm rental. So let's say you were looking at the MNP, the Glock 17, the CZ P10, and the H&K VP9, whatever. So those four pistols, 
That's what you're looking at. That's 80 bucks plus your range time. Let's say you got an hour, that's 20 bucks. So you're already at $100. Here's the kicker, folks. If you rent a firearm from your range, in every instance I've ever experienced, you have to use their ammunition because they don't want you putting crap ammunition through their firearms that you can just, you know, give back when you're done, even if it blows up in your hand. So then you have to buy their ammo, which is always marked up. I remember when ammo was $10 a box, they were still selling their ammunition for $17 and $18 a box because they got to they got to buy it, right? But then they want to make their money on it too. So then let's say because you got four guns, you want, uh, I mean, you want to get a good time behind, uh, um, you know, each pistol before you make a decision, then yeah, you know, that's four boxes, right? So 20 bucks, 80. So you're at $200 almost consider tax costs to targets. Um, if they have a fee for renting eye and ear pro, yeah, they could be $200. Um, yeah, so, so consider those things before going to the range if you haven't already. And also, and don't be that guy. For the love of God, I mean, don't, I mean, I get it, it's like a one-time thing or everyone wants to experience certain things, right? Don't go rent the AK-47. Don't go rent the Desert Eagle. <laughs> don't go rent, um, you know, whatever. Just make good decisions. If you're at the range, you should be there to get better. Um, now granted, I mean, if one day you just walk in and say, Hey, you know what? I never shot a desert Eagle. I, I just want to, I want to do it once. I mean, I guess I can't really fault anybody for that. I mean, whatever. Um, do not do it. My, you know, young, I, my youngest brother go to the range with, uh, my dad, um, and my brother, Trevor, who's been on a couple episodes, um, and definitely tried turning the gun sideways, all ghetto style, uh, and, uh, got some looks from the range officer and, uh, my father, that didn't really last too long. Um, I'm trying to think if we're talking about like range faux pas. Oh, this is a good one. This happened when I was at the range also. And this is the, this is the great part. If you're somebody who knows a bit about shooting like I do, uh, and goes to a local range where you have a wide variety of clientele, not like a club, right? Where everyone pays to be a member and knows what they're doing. Like a public range where you get a, a wide variety of, of individuals is a lot of these places. They have signs up that says no rapid fire. And, you know, A, keep in mind that a semi-automatic weapon is one round for every trigger pull. So you can't just hold down the trigger and you this, you know, AR-15 or AK-47 you rent, it's not just going to start rattling off, you know, a mag dump. Okay, you have to pull the trigger. Um, but there's absolutely no reason why you should be putting down five, six, seven, eight, nine rounds in rapid succession. Um, two or three Maybe most ranges won't even let you do more than two rounds, uh, without, well, a, they won't let you do it at all. In most cases, some will let you, if you've passed a certain certification test, um, that they I've seen, um, they have a certification like here, you can draw from a holster. You can do rapid fire cause you're working on transitions or, or whatever. Um, there's, there's absolutely no reason to go that fast. Um, and I looked at the dude's target and I think he, and he rented a Glock, he had a Glock 17. So, I mean, he at least rented a decent handgun. Um, but he was, he was actually shooting at like 10 or 15 feet and man, these rounds were all over the target. Here's the thing that people don't realize about rapid fire. It's without good technique, it's pretty hard to control with good technique. You can control it, but you usually don't need to because your accuracy is there. So you're not trying to put just a ton of rounds down range to make up for it. Right. So, you know, just be courteous, uh, use your head. Um, one other thing I did, I saw a lady walk in, uh, at the end of my time, I was getting ready to pack everything up and walk out and, uh, and walks this younger girl, um, small girl, uh, comes in wearing flip flops guys. We, we already talked about like the hot brass thing and all that, um, having brass stuck under your foot or in between a toe or something is not a good time. Um, especially considering what, well, I mean, if you burn a spot on the bottom of your foot, that's going to take a couple days to heal. Um, and you're feeling that literally every time you take a step. Um, so again, wear closed toed shoes when you go to the range, wear, you know, a collared shirt or a t-shirt. Um, I actually even wear a, a baseball cap, um, and I'll flip it backwards, uh, which does help if I get any brass deflected. Sometimes I can, I'll feel it bounce off of my hat. 
uh, and keeps it away from my collar and uh, my neckline and everything. And that's a that's something that police and military have been doing for years. That's why you see uh, you know a lot of these guys will roll with ball caps and stuff. Um, and sometimes it's it's to blend in and things like that. That's not the only reason, but it is a consideration when guys go to the range. Hey, no one likes hot brass down their neck, especially if you're shooting a lot and there's gonna be a lot of brass flying around. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool. You know, it was nice to get back. Um, you know, the range is open again. It's fully accessible. I know a lot of them were uh, only open on certain days of the week. Um, after lockdown was lifted because they just didn't have the the ammunition to sell they didn't have the personnel to service it um, I actually th- I mean I was not there during our restrictions that we had here in Michigan so I didn't I don't know what their rules were with masks or if they closed every other lane or what um, given that there's like divider windows and you're basically social distancing for safety reasons at a gun range um, giving everybody their their fair amount of space and whatnot so um, I don't know what that was like, but I mean, it was okay. It was pretty decent. Like I said, I was working on, um, like ready up drills, site acquisition, accuracy out to 40 feet. Um, I did work with my 43 X a little bit, my concealed carry gun. Um, guys, I, and I can't say this enough, uh, cause I was not as good with my 43 X as it was with my 19. So I, I know, you know, I was able to figure out a couple of things for myself. Um, most of it surrounding my support hand pressure. If you're going to be carrying a, a a certain gun concealed carry um whether it's appendix three o'clock small back i mean whatever if you're carrying a firearm you should be proficient with that firearm um and i mean that both administratively and otherwise right so you should know how to reload the gun how to unload the gun um, how to safely store and uh, manipulate that weapon both at a range and outside for safety reasons obviously but um you we've we just talked about it right don't be a liability be an asset in any situation so um if you have a concealed carry gun that you cannot shoot accurately um that that's a problem now granted most concealed carry situations you're going to be within inside 15 feet that's that's what statistics tell us that i am not at all saying that you shouldn't practice beyond what the statistics indicate because then we could all you know carry five shot revolvers and only have to worry about shooting within 10 feet and that's just not realistic um however what i will say is you need to be able to uh competently handle that firearm and proficiently perform with it so if you can't you know and i and i had issues for years i tried i spent a lot of time and a lot of ammo for that matter trying to get better shooting my uh mnp shield because that's what i carried um and i was okay with it you know i wasn't great um but that's ultimately what led to me getting rid of it i didn't enjoy shooting it i I wasn't great shooting it. I was working really hard at getting better shooting it and not getting any results. Um, I had tweaked grip. I had I tweaked a lot of different things. Um, I switched over to the 43X and I saw instant results having not even shot it before. So um, making sure you have a firearm that, that fits you, fits your hands, fits your, your size and everything is regardless of what a lot of people will say. I think that that's, uh, something that's overlooked. If you have smaller hands, you know, okay. If you have huge hands, shooting a tiny firearm with huge hands is, it, it can be difficult getting enough surface area comfortably on the firearm to, to a manipulate it, but not cause other issues and stuff can be kind of problematic. So, um, make sure you're, you're thinking about those things. When you go to the range, don't just shoot the gun. That's fun to shoot. If you're if you're carrying uh, a Glock 43 or a Ruger LC9 or something, or maybe it is a little five-shot pocket revolver or something, that's really what you should be practicing with because more than likely that's what you're going to have to use in a situation where it's actually going to matter. Don't just go shoot the rifle. Don't go shoot the shotgun or whatever because it's more fun, whatever. Um, still do that because, like I was saying, I was talking about practicing music and stuff, right? You always got to make sure you're doing that little piece of fun just to keep it... Uh, keep it where it needs to be, but make sure you're practicing with the gun that you carry, because when it comes down to it, that's the one that's going to matter. So, I mean, like, like I said, it was good to get back to the range. Um, I don't know how frequently I am going to be going. Um, it'll probably, honestly, it'll depend on what ammo prices do. Um, you know, I live pretty close. I could honestly probably work it out where I go to the gun range on my lunch break if I really wanted to. Um, but We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It, it ultimately will probably just come down to ammo prices. Hopefully they keep they keep trending downward. 
Um, and you know, we're all able to get back out and train a little bit more, um, practice a little bit more in the meantime, obviously we talked a lot about dry fire. A lot of the stuff that you figure out, um, that's wrong at the range can be solved with dry fire. You know, if you're flinching YouTube, it, there's a lot of drills you can work on. Um, I've seen it where you, Oh, Hey, balance a penny on your front sight and slowly pull the trigger until it breaks and keep that either keep a shell casing balanced on there or a penny or something keep that balanced on the front sight of your your firearm and that is you know that's to help you break the habit of flinching um sight acquisition is just literally presenting the gun and and getting those sights getting that front post lined up between the back posts and that you don't even need to pull the trigger for i think a lot of people miss that one because that's huge is just getting that alignment every time that angle of the wrist angle of the hand what the eye needs to pick up each time. That's that's super easy. And here's a great thing is it's free. You can do it at night before bedtime. You can do it. I mean, I did it this morning because I'm, like I said, I'm on vacation all week. Um, there's a lot that can be done with dry fire that doesn't cost anything. And that way, when you are at the range, you paid money to use the range, you paid money to spend the ammo and everything, you're maximizing your your practice time there by really focusing on, uh, on getting good feedback and good data on what still needs to be corrected um you know for me it i mean recoil control is the only thing that you can't simulate right and even now we have we have tools that are being released like the cool fire trainer that uses like co2 soda stream bottles and stuff it's like a glock barrel you drop into your gun and it simulates recoil to a degree you can get a little laser on the front so you can you can kind of simulate recoil too to you know to an effect it's it's expensive to get into um but not necessarily more than what a case ammunition would cost these days um so you can fix a lot with dry fire um but but i mean i hope everybody gets a chance to get out to the range truly it's 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 fun i enjoy going um i think that shooting is uh something that everybody should get out and enjoy and um certainly if you're a concealed carrier you should go go check yourself go audit your skills um it is a a perishable skill you're, it does diminish over time. So um, definitely need to stay on top of those things and make sure that if you're out carrying, you're, you're still suited, well-suited to do so. Um, so hopefully this was uh, enjoyable for you guys. We got some stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. I uh, got an interview coming up in a week and a half, I think, that I'm looking, pretty, I'm looking forward to. That should be good. Um, and, uh, yeah. Like always, guys, get out there, hit the range, uh, train, and, and like we always say here, be prepared.